0: What an honor it is that you would come and join us at Veneration Church on our first ever Christmas Eve service. We launched this church about three and a half months ago and just excited to see what God is doing as the gospel advances. So thank you for joining us. Merry Christmas. Glad you're here. You know, Christmas is a time where maybe there's some people in this room that can't say tonight that it is well with my soul. There's some pain, there's some hurt, there's some struggle, things that I don't know about that I won't pretend to know about. But you're in this room and maybe tonight you're just thinking, I'm struggling and I don't have rest for my soul. It's not well with my soul. And maybe there's some of you in this room that are filled with joy and excitement with what Christmas brings. And, and Christmas is just a great time. Wherever you're at in this room, I want you to hear this, that what changes everything, what changes Christmas, is that we do not celebrate tonight merely just a baby in a manger that came to Bethlehem to be born. We celebrate a king that has come, Emmanuel, God, with us. And I pray tonight that as we walk through Matthew, the book of Matthew, if you have your Bibles, you can open to Matthew chapter 1 starting in verse 18. I pray that wherever you're at tonight that you would leave knowing this, that God is with us and not just knowing that he is with us, but what that looks like and what that means for you and for me. So God, I thank you for tonight. I thank you for each and every person in this room. God, would you open hearts? Would you turn hearts of stone to hearts of flesh? God, would you make the blind see and the deaf hear? God, and would you show us tonight the goodness of who you are, that indeed we celebrate a great king that has come to set the captives free. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you have your Bibles, starting in Matthew chapter 1, verse 18... Matthew says this, Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. Matthew had just completed a genealogy of where Jesus had come from, and now he is saying this, Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. This is the culmination of everything. This is what all of history was coming to, was this moment that Jesus came to be born in a manger. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together, she found out that she had been with child from the Holy Spirit. It's interesting that a betrothment in this day and age was essentially like an engagement, but it was more than that. It was an engagement that was legally binding. See this engagement was not like today's where I, I, someone proposes and then it doesn't work out or whatever and they break off the engagement and cancel the wedding. This was actually legally bound. So in order to get out of this engagement, you had to actually go through a divorce legally. And so where we're at is Joseph is engaged legally to marry, and he finds out in this moment that she is pregnant with a baby. We know that in this time, if this were to happen, this was actually, this could be punished by death if, if a virgin conceived and, and they were not in wedlock, this could be punishable by death. So here's where Joseph is at. He found out that the woman that he is going to be married to bears a child. Verse 19, And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. I can see Joseph in this moment thinking, okay. I may be just, but I ain't dumb. A plus B equals C, and I'm definitely not A. Like, she has been with someone. She had, this this woman that I'm gonna marry has been unfaithful and has been with someone. He can't comprehend this reality that the Holy Spirit of God has placed Jesus in the womb of Mary supernaturally. And can you blame him? I mean, really? Like, if I was engaged to my wife and she came and said, Luke, man, I have some news. I'm pregnant. And I would think, well, it ain't from me. So if it's not from me, it's from someone else. So this is where Joseph is at. And he says he resolved to divorce her quietly. Why does it say divorce? Well, what I'd already told you is it was legally binding. Quietly basically means he was going to go privately and divorce her so that she would not receive shame for what? She was involved with at this moment. Verse 20, But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. We know that Jesus came from the line of David, and we know that this do not fear can not only does it not just mean do not fear, it can be like do not carry on with this, do not go on with this, but we know that there was probably some fear in Joseph right now because the woman that he was going to marry was pregnant with a baby who was not his baby, and he could be killed because of it. Because of the law in Deuteronomy chapter 22. So we know that Joseph probably has some fear in this moment. Like, what is going on? This is craziness. Verse 21 She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And I can see Joseph thinking right now, well, that's great that this Jesus is coming to save these people from their sins, but I need someone maybe to save me from being stoned. Because, like, you think they're going to believe me, angel in my dream, when I come and say, I swear it was not me? There was, it was not me, I swear. And you're gonna, he's going to say it was the Holy Spirit, and they're going to look at him cross-eyed and be like, are you crazy, man? So, like, this is Joseph. This is the turmoil that he's going through. But then, get this, this is where everything changes. Verse 22. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken By the prophet, behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. This prophecy that is quoted in Matthew was from Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. Think about this. This was prophesied 700 years before this, what is being written about, comes to pass. 700 years The prophet Isaiah said, this is how the birth of Jesus will happen. A virgin will conceive, and you will call his name Emmanuel, God with us. Think about it this way. Peter Stoner is a professor of science and mathematics, or he was, he passed away now, and he wrote this book called Science Speaks. And his goal was he applied the modern science of probability to just eight of the prophecies of Christ, Hear this, a quarter of the Bible is prophetic. Over 300 prophecies prophesied to the coming of this great king Jesus alone. 300. So Peter Stoner is taking this modern-day science of probability and saying, what is the chance of just eight of these coming true? And he concluded the chance of any man that might fulfill all eight of these is one in ten to the 17th power. And then he says this, he suggests that if you were to take 1 in 10 to the 17th power, 1 in 10 with 17 zeros, if you were to take the state of Texas, which is huge, by the way. My wife is from Texas. I don't know how many times we have driven across the state of Texas, but it is giant. It takes like a day and a half. So he says, cover the entire state with silver dollars. Put one silver dollar anywhere in the state, it doesn't matter. It covers it two feet deep. The whole, covers the entire state two feet deep, silver dollars. Put one that is marked and put it somewhere. Blindfold a man and turn him loose and say, you can go wherever in the state you choose to go. Find the one silver dollar. You get one chance. Blindfolded to go wherever and pick out the one silver dollar. He says, this is the chance that just eight of these 300 prophecies about Jesus could actually come true. And he concludes by saying this, What chance would he have of getting the right one? Just the same chance the prophets would have of writing those eight prophecies and having them come true in only one man, providing they wrote them all in their own wisdom, which they did not, the wisdom of God. And then he states this, Anyone who rejects Christ as the Son of God is rejecting a fact proved perhaps more absolutely than any fact in the world. All that to say this, this is the moment that changed history. And it was not just a moment that happened stance. it was a moment that was predicted and prophesied 700 years before the king came. Emmanuel, God with us. See on Christmas we celebrate a day that changed all of creation. The day this little baby, born in a manger in Bethlehem, the day that God revealed that he was with us. See, there's power in these words because God is not some distant, power-hungry deity in the sky looking to strike us down at any chance he gets. He is near, he is close, and he is here tonight. And with the time that we have left, I want to look at what it looks like. What does God with us mean for us? Because really, you, you may be sitting out there thinking, well, that's great, Luke, all this prophecy and all this God, Emmanuel, with, God with us and all of that, but how does that impact me? How does that change me? Because I am hurting, and you have no idea what's going on in my family, and you have no idea the pain that I'm dealing with right now. Or maybe you're in this room and you're full of joy and it affects us. Same. So there's four things that I want to address of what God with us means. And the first is this He sees you. The reason Jesus came, the reason Emmanuel came, God with us, when God is with us, it reveals that He sees us. He sees your struggle, He sees your pain, He sees your joy, He sees your anxiety, He sees it all. And he sympathizes with it. He sympathizes with what he sees. He sympathizes with it. See, he's a God who not only sees, but sympathizes with you in your weakness. And we know this from Hebrews chapter 4. Starting in verse 14, it says this, Since then we have been given a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who, what, is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace in our time of need. See, mercy is God not giving us what we deserve Grace is God giving us what we did not deserve. He sympathizes with us in our weakness. He can sympathize with your weakness because he has experienced joy. He has experienced struggle. He has experienced pain. He has experienced it all. So not only does he see you, but he sympathizes with what he sees. He has lived it. God with us means he came to earth. Fully man, fully God, and it's experienced all the emotions that you have experienced as well. And you may be thinking, well, that's great, Luke, but he may see me, but, I mean, does he care? The second thing is this, he cares. He cares for what you're struggling with. He cares for the things that you care about 1 Peter 5, 6 through 7 says this, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, doing what? Casting all anxieties on him. Why? Because he cares for you. Not only does he see you right where you're at tonight, he doesn't just see you, but he cares for what he sees. He cares for you. He says, cast all your anxieties on him. And it's interesting that this takes humility, as Peter has said, that that we have to acknowledge that we cannot bear the weight of life alone. He says, cast them on me. Cast all your cares, cast all your anxieties upon me because I care for you. Think about how amazing this is. The amazing thing about God is that we can be brutally honest with Him and He loves it. Like you can be at home and you can just be screaming at Him and say, God, I don't understand what is going on. Do you even care? Do you even see me? You can give it all to Him and He loves it. He loves it when His people are brutally honest with their feelings of where they are. It's amazing. Think about this. This word cast in the Greek literally means to throw upon. He's saying, throw your anxieties on me. Throw your pain on me. Throw your struggles on me. Throw everything on me. Why? Because I care for you. Because I care for you. And I want what's best for you. For you. See, God is not shocked by our honesty. He doesn't think, wow, I never knew they were feeling that way. Man, can you, man, he, they really feel that way about me? I, huh, I never knew. No, like, God is sovereign. He already knows what you're thinking. He already knows what you're experiencing. And he says, just throw it on me. Cast your anxieties on me. Why? Because I care for you maybe you're still saying, well, that's great, Luke. He sees me, and maybe he cares for me, but there's no way he can love someone like me. I mean, you don't know what I've done. You don't know the things I've done behind closed doors. You don't know what I've done to my family. You don't know. You don't know it. You can't love a person like me. Which, number three, do you know what Emmanuel, God with us, means? That he loves you. He sees you. He cares for you, and he loves you. He loves you, In fact, his love is so strong that nothing can separate you from him if you are in Christ. So strong. Romans 8, 38 through 39, for I am sure or I am positive that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And you say, well, what is the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord? I will say this. Jesus laid it out very clearly in John 3:16 through 18. And so often we look at 16 and we just kind of forget about everything else that's around it. And actually, the stuff that's around it makes it more beautiful. The love of God way more beautiful when we see what's around it. John 3:16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever would believe upon him should not perish but have eternal life. And then he says this, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe in him is condemned already. Why? Because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. Hear this. God loves you so much that he came to earth to be with us, to suffer, to die for you. And he did not come because you needed, like... I've shared this with our church before. Think about this. It's not like God came to earth, and because Jesus came, everyone was like, damned to hell because he didn't come. No, Jesus came to an already condemned world. We were all sinners. We are all separated from God. We are all in need of a Savior. We have all fallen short. We are all dead in sin without him because Adam and Eve sinned and brought sin into the world. So the love of God is this, that Jesus came into a world that was already condemned to set it free. And there's no greater love than this. There is no greater love than, a God of, than the God of heaven who would send his son willingly to die on a cross brutally, so that you might have life. He came into a depraved and a dark and a dying world to set you free. This is love. This is the greatest form of love that the world has ever seen. See, the mission of God was to set you free, to pluck you out of an already condemned So God with us means that he sees us. It means that he cares for us. It means that he loves us. And lastly, it means this, that he fights for you. He fights for his people. For those that are in Christ, he fights for you. In fact, he fights for you so much that he was willing to go to the cross for you. See, God fights for us because he is with us. Deuteronomy 20, verse 4 says this, For the Lord your God is he who goes with you to fight for you against your enemies to give you the victory. See, if you're in Christ tonight, God is literally fighting for you. But if you're not in Christ, and he is, because he is fighting for his people, you are fighting against him if you are not in Christ. And newsflash, you don't want to be fighting against God because I promise you, you will lose. Guaranteed. But Jesus says, I came that I would fight for you. All you have to do is believe upon me and I fight for you. I fight for my people. I fight for those who I have bought out of sin. When my wife and I first met, Her dad had been indicted by the federal government on Medicaid fraud. He was innocent, but the federal government said he was not. Twenty-six counts against him. He went to work one day. Caroline's mom showed up, and his car was at the end of their driveway. Gary was not in it. They had no idea where he was. The government would not let him call to share anything. Over a day later, they finally found out that he was arrested. And that the federal government had come after him for Medicaid fraud. He's an oral surgeon. So months upon months upon months, their house was bugged. There was helicopters flying over their house. Marley, his mom, or Caroline's mom, was posting scriptures all over their house about how God fights for his people, about how God redeems his people, about how God fights for those who love him, about how God fights for those who are in him. Months. The trial was over a week. If he would have been found guilty on any one of the 26 charges, he would have been in federal prison. When he first got indicted, his attorney said, you might as well just give in, because there is no way you're winning. You have 26 counts against you, and the chance of winning against the federal government is like .02% of any of them that ever go through. And Gary said, no. I serve a God who fights for his people. The trial goes on. The jury was there. And some of the things that God did are remarkable. One of the specific things that God did was the family was praying that God would reveal in a dream to the jury that he was innocent. The day came for his sentencing and the jury found him innocent which was a miracle of God in itself, and one jury lady said, I had a dream the other night that he was innocent, and that's what swayed my decision. See, God fights for his people. Emmanuel, God with us, means that he fights for his people. But he fights for his people against his people's enemies. So if God is not fighting for you because you are not saved... He is fighting against you because he fights for his people. He fights for them. Psalm 34, 17 through 18 says this, when the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. So I have a question tonight. Have you believed upon this great king? Not a baby in a manger that we celebrate on Christmas with nativity scenes and lights and presents, but like the real king of heaven. Like the king that came to set you free. Have you believed upon this king? Because all of life hinges on it. All of eternity hinges on it. See, the whole reason Jesus came to be with us was to die so that you might live. This is the gospel. Maybe you've never heard the gospel in this room, or maybe you have heard the gospel and never responded. This is the gospel that you and me were drowning in sin, were separated from a holy and a righteous God. God, in his love, sent his son to die for you as he was hanging on a cross, brutally a crown of thorn crushed upon his head, nails through his hands and his feet, hanging on this cross, dripping drops of blood that was drops of love for you, knowing that you couldn't measure up and you couldn't do it on your own. So he hung on the cross, he was killed, buried in the grave, but on the third day he rose again. On the third day he walked out of the grave to give you life, to give you hope, to give you purpose, to give you what only he can give and the only thing that satisfies himself. This is the gospel. All we have to do is respond. All we have to do is believe upon this, believe that he is who he said he is, turn from our sin and go the other way and say, God, take a sinner like me, a wretched sinner like me and set me free. Work on me, God. Change me, because I can't change myself. Turn from your sin. Turn to Christ, and he will set you free. It's his promise. To any who will call upon his name, he will grant eternal life. And see, while he was hanging on this cross, this is what he revealed. Emmanuel, God with us. While he was hanging on this cross, he revealed that he sees you. Did you know that if you were the only one on this planet, Jesus would have come and died for you to set you free? He sees you. He sees you in your pain. He sees you in your struggle. As he was hanging on a cross, he saw you and said, This is the reason I came. And as he was hanging on the cross, he also was hanging there looking and saying, He cares for you. He didn't just see your struggle. He didn't just see your pain. He actually responded to that, and he cared for that by hanging himself on a cross. He cares for you. And as he was hanging on that cross, looking at the sins of the world, he also said he loves us. There is no greater form of love than the king, the God, the God of heaven hanging on a cross so that we might be set free. And lastly, as he was hanging on that cross, he was showing you that he fights for you. See, he fought for you on the cross. He was fighting sin and death. And when he had died, death had thought it had won. As he's hanging on the cross, fighting for you, fighting for your life, fighting for your freedom, fighting for your hope, fighting for your peace, he died completely and death thought it had won until the third day came and Jesus walked out of the grave see all of Christianity all of creation hinges on this if Jesus was still in the grave everything is just a big giant hoax but because he walked out of the grave he has come to give you life this proves that he is fighting for you he defeated death Proving that he had not left us, but indeed what? He was with us. Emmanuel, God with us, has come to set you free. And this is the message of Christmas. That this little baby, this little boy that was born into a manger where no one would take him in, was not merely a baby in a manger He was the prophesied, the predetermined coming king, the savior of the world. And if you will respond to him tonight, if you will just say, Jesus, I believe, help my unbelief. God, I believe that you are who you said you are. I believe that you came. I believe that you died. I believe that you rose from the grave, that you're coming back again. He will set you free in a moment and will grant you eternal life. And I promise you this, If you're not in Christ, you will never have peace, like a deep peace, like I'm talking like a real peace. You'll never have hope. You'll never have purpose. Because it's like trying to fit a square peg in a round hole. It doesn't work. That's not how God created us. The Bible actually says that God has placed eternity in the hearts of all men. Because we were created for more. And when Jesus walked out of the grave, he proclaimed this, Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? He fought death and defeated it so that you might have life. So what does God want on Christmas? He wants you. He wants your heart. He wants your life. He wants everything about you. It reminds me of the great theologian, Mariah Carey. And I'll spare you, count it as my Christmas gift to you that I will not sing this to you. In fact, it may be the best gift you received all year is me not singing this to you. But this great theologian, Mariah Carey, said this. She wrote this song and it was, all I want for Christmas is you. We know what God's saying tonight? All he wants for Christmas is you. All he wants for Christmas is that you would bend your knee to the King of all kings, to the Lord of all lords, and say, God, I cannot do it. You must do it for me. I surrender myself. I lay myself at the foot of the cross and say, change me, forgive me, and set me free. And if you will do that, he will set you free, and he will give you a peace that passes all understanding. See, he wants your heart. He wants your life. And he wants you this is what Emmanuel God with us means that he came to earth because he wants you he wants to set you free so if you ever doubt that he sees you look to the cross if he ever doubts that he if you ever doubt that he cares for you look to the cross if you ever doubt that he loves you, look to the cross. If you ever doubt that he's not fighting for you, look to the cross. He has already fought it and claimed the victory to give you life. And if you ever doubted that God is with you, look to the empty tomb because he is no longer there. He has exploded from the grave so that you might have life. This is why we celebrate Christmas. This is why Veneration Church exists so that people would know of this great king that has come to set the captive free, that he is not in a manger, that he is not in the grave, that he is not just some historical figure of our imagination, that he is not whatever you have built him up to be, that he is the king who has come to set you free. Emmanuel, God with us. This is why we celebrate Christmas and proclaim that he is the only one that can save. He is the only one that can redeem. He is the only one that can set you free, the only one that can give you hope. He is the king. If the worship team wants to come up, <clears throat> So as we wrap up, I just want to say this, that wherever you came into this room at, whatever you were dealing with, whatever the struggle, whatever the pain, if you felt like God was far and distant and a long ways away, if you felt like there's no way that God could ever reach you where you're at, if you felt like, man, I have really messed up, I have done something that no one else knows about, and I have really messed it up, It's not by accident that you're here tonight. See, God brought you to this place, I believe, to remind you of this, that Emmanuel, God with us, shows us that he sees us, that he cares for us, that he loves us, and he fights for us. But if you are not in Christ tonight, you are fighting against him. And you will lose. See, the beauty of salvation is not just that God came and sent his son to spare us from separation and hell, it's that he came to give us life now, to set us free now, that we might live in abundance now in the presence of a mighty king. So if you're here today, and maybe God is stirring on your heart that you have never been saved, that you have never surrendered your life to Jesus, I'm just gonna ask that you would fill out this connection card and just check, I surrender my life to Jesus and I would love to meet with you. We would love to meet with you and walk through what does this look like? Because I promise you, until you make a decision to follow Jesus, you will never be fulfilled. And you will walk in vain because Jesus is the reason For the season and jesus is the reason that we are here he wants to set you free come to him with all your struggles with all your pain with all your hurt and say jesus i believe i turn from my sin and i turn to you because you're the only one that can save God, what an amazing thing that the God of heaven, the God of creation left heaven to come to earth to be with us, reminding us that you're not far away. You are not power hungry. You are not this God who just looks down upon us, but rather you demonstrated your love in that while we were still sinners, you died for us, God. You came to earth to be with us. So, God, I pray tonight in this Christmas season, God, that we would all see and know this great king. That we would not be distracted by gifts and presents and lights and family and great food and amazing brisket and prime rib. And, but that we would see that truly you are all that we have. And you demonstrated this for us that you came to be with us. So God, if there's someone in this room that has never surrendered their life to you, God, by the power of your Holy Spirit, Father, would you draw them to yourself? Would you do the things that only you can do, God? Would you take a heart of stone and give it flesh? Would you take a blind eye and give it sight? Would you take a deaf ear and let it hear? No one comes to the son unless the father draws him. So God, I pray, I plead that you would draw men and women, boys and girls to yourself tonight, that they would see that you are the risen king, that you are not a baby in a manger in Bethlehem, but you are the risen savior of the world. God, we love you. That's the reason we're here. We give our lives to you, God, and ask that you would have your way in this place. God, thank you for your faithfulness. And thank you that you promise that your word never returns void, but it always accomplishes the purpose to which you sent it out to do. God, we lift you high, and we thank you for Jesus. God, that indeed that's all you want for Christmas is our heart and our life. Thank you, God. Move in this place, move in this time, and do what only you can do. We pray it in the powerful, risen name of Jesus.